Welcome to the Moneyball Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Harry Glorickian. This series is all about the data-driven transformation of the healthcare and life sciences landscape. Each episode, we dive deep through one-on-one interviews with leaders in the new cost-conscious, value-based healthcare economy. We look at the challenges and opportunities they're facing and their predictions for the years to come. What if you could measure structural changes of brain scans with the highest accuracy, increasing sensitivity, augmenting detection that would ultimately improve patient care? What if you could quantify abnormalities in the brain scans of patients, winning time to diagnosis and boosting accuracy? That's the focus of my next speaker and his company. Wim Van Heck, PhD, is the founder and CEO of Icometrics. They're based in Leuven, Belgium, and Chicago here in the U.S. Icometrics is a leader in software AI solutions to obtain clinically meaningful data from brain MRI and CT scans. Their IcoBrain software is FDA-cleared, and has market approval in the US and Canada, South America, and Australia. The IcoBrain software is used in over 100 hospitals and IcoMetrics works with the largest pharmaceutical and health tech companies for real world and big data studies. With an academic engineering degree and two master's degrees in applied biomedical engineering and neuroimaging and a PhD in diffusion MRI analysis, Wim, you're really one smart guy there. Uh, He is author and co-author of over 150 scientific publications, the editor of a clinical neuroimaging handbook, and has won numerous scientific awards and is frequently invited to present his work at courses, conferences, and hospitals around the world. Wim, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot, Harry. It's It's a great introduction. Tell everybody here who's listening a little bit about Icometrics. I I I've, I know quite a bit about the company, but and and I know some of the things you're doing. But for everybody who's not familiar with this, uh, walk us through the basics. Yeah, I'll maybe start with with why we started and how we started. So uh, the company started in 2011, um, and um, as 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 you mentioned, I did did a PhD uh, in the radiology department at the Antwerp University Hospital in in Belgium. Um, and maybe I was just naive or a bit arrogant at that time, um, but as an engineer in the, in the radiology department, I was really shocked and surprised um, by how radiology worked at that time. Um, there's great images, MRI scans, CT scans. Um, they can be acquired in a relatively quick time, and, and uh, they have a lot of information in there. Uh, but actually, the end result of, of radiology and of the, all these images is a radiological report, um, and that was still very qualitative, descriptive. Um, it's a radiologist scrolling through the images, um, and it's it's just basically a, a piece of text describing what they see uh, in these images. And coming from an engineering background, uh, I thought like, yeah, we can do better in in adding software, artificial intelligence to really mine these data and get some meaningful numbers out of it um, that are clinically meaningful to help patients. Um, so that's where it all started, I guess. Well, arrogance arrogance is not such a bad thing sometimes when you want to change uh, a space. 
So what does the company do exactly? Can you can you sort of give us an idea of how it does what it does and, and what you do? Sure, yeah. So to be really uh, short, uh, we get numbers out of brain scans. Uh, we sometimes compare it with uh, blood laboratories um, where you get a blood sample at your uh, doctor's. It's sent to a central lab. Uh, and what you get back is, is a, a summary uh, with some numbers of... of um, uh, what it's measured in your blood sample, and it's compared to what uh, the healthy population uh, would be uh, normal. So we do basically the same for brain scans, uh, with the big difference that um, brain scans are all digital nowadays, so we can receive a brain scan from anywhere in the world at any time uh, and just give back reports with numbers, uh, what is changing, um, what can be seen in there, uh, to really add, yeah, quantification numbers to uh, radiology uh, and therefore also to the physicians that will be using these numbers to help patients. So give me the implica implications of something like that. So I apply numbers to something. I, I want to say big deal, right? But but what is what is the ultimate benefit that that produces on the other end? Yeah, of course. I mean, I mean, we're focused on the brain. Uh, it's 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 because there's a huge need there. Uh, I mean, one in three uh, people have a brain disorder, so it's massive. Uh, typically, these, these disorders are uh, chronic disorders as well. Uh, so not, not only it's a huge burden for the patient itself, but also uh, for the society as an as a economical cost. Um, and so these numbers really help in making the right diagnosis at the right time uh, and also in the follow-up of these patients to really identify if the treatment that these patients are receiving is working or not, if they should change to another treatment. I mean, we started with, with um, measures in multiple sclerosis uh, patients. Um, MRI is really important for diagnostic purposes there, but also for really to follow up these patients over time. There's a lot of drugs available. They're very expensive. Uh, and it's really hard for neurologists to assess if uh, the drug is really working for these patients and if they might need to switch. And if they can really switch the patient to the right treatment at the right moment, it's been shown that it really saves a lot of years of disability. Uh, the patient can work a lot longer, has less cognitive problems uh, and things like that. So, um, in a, I mean, in MS, for example, it's really important to detect new lesions that are appearing in the brain over time. And it's important to detect the brain shrinking, uh, which happens in these patients. And, and that's really impossible to do visually uh, by a radiologist. So we really um, add very accurate measurements on to what extent your brain is shrinking over time, for example, and compare that with um, what people of your age and, 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 and your sex uh, normally would have uh, in terms of brain shrinkage. So the clinicians can, can assess like, is this uh, pathological? Is, this, is the drug maybe not working? Should I change now instead of waiting? Because, yeah, time is brain, as they say. If, if your brain volume is lost, uh, it's not coming back, unfortunately. Um, and similarly for uh, patients with dementia or Alzheimer's disease, um, there's some specific structures in the brain, such as the hippocampus, that are um, really smaller uh, in these patients, which is a, a very clear sign of a patient having the diagnosis of Alzheimer's disease. Uh, but to see that visually, uh, if, if these structures like hippocampus are, are smaller than a, than a healthy population of the same age, it's really very difficult. So again, there, 
the software um, and the AI can, can measure that accurately, detect it, and then give that information to doctors to make the, the right decisions. Yeah, I feel like I should have my brain measured. I think I think it's shrinking prematurely. Um, <laughs> you, you never know. This 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 might be like I, I walk into a CVS and figure out why why I'm slowing down. Um, so, but so basically, what you're saying is subjectivity is being turned into an objective yeah. measurement, and 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 I've 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 seen a lot of other technologies i was looking at one the other day that could actually see and predict a breast tumor before it was really picked up by a human being um yep. as as early as three years earlier so mm. basically the software does bring a different capability uh to the table which can change outcomes for patients i think Absolutely. Yeah, you summarize things a lot better than I do. I typically yeah. take too long, but absolutely. <laughs> we replace objectivity by objectivity. Uh, so if, if if you're okay with that, I'll use that as, a, as our new tagline. But that's true. Um, and, and we sometimes compare it with, with also blood glucose measures for patients with diabetes. Um, I mean, that all started with um, doctors uh, centuries ago. They were just... Um, uh, looking at um, 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 urine of patients, smelling it, even tasting it, to then give an idea about the blood glucose uh, that was there to do a diagnosis. And now that's been replaced by wearable devices that objectively measure all these things in real time. And um, unfortunately, radiology has been still in that age of, yeah, um, smelling urine, so to say. Um, so that's really the revolution that that we're leading in in terms of getting objective numbers uh, that can help patients with with uh, these disorders. Well, if it makes you feel any better, we're still seeing, you know, huge advances in diabetes care just from utilizing machine learning and and technologies like AI to even tell me before I enter a full state of you know being diabetic. And, and then how to manage it appropriately. So I think all the areas of medicine are currently under a uh, revolutionary change. Adoption, that, that's a different that's a different issue, but but uh, there is a lot of change going on. So can you give us say a, a real world example of of where your technology has been implemented and and how it made a difference in in a patient or a group of patients? Yeah, sure, absolutely. I mean, as you mentioned, we uh, our solutions are now integrated in a lot of hospitals worldwide, and that's of course the advantage of uh, of the digital age that that we're not bound by um, yeah um, border boundaries and 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 or borders. Um, so yeah, we work with a lot of hospitals, um, both uh, academic hospitals like New York University uh, or smaller centers. Um, that really adopted, and and the, the feedback we receive is is uh, that it's done advantages on on in many ways. I mean, the first time you have radiologists that have to look at these scans, they don't have these tools um, to really help them in guiding them where the changes are in this patient's brain. Um, so they feel a lot more confident um, and can do their analysis a lot more quickly in their workflow. And then, of course, the numbers go to the, the physician, the neurologist that, that will see the patients. And, and there they really feel more confident to make these 
uh, treatment decisions. They uh, kind of can detect patients where um, something might not be right or they need to change uh, therapy. Just, just one example is, is a, um, a neurologist that told me they had a patient um, who um, actually was pregnant um, and so she stopped with her medication. Uh, so she had multiple sclerosis. Uh, and after uh, she delivered the baby, uh, she was very happy. She was really feeling well. Uh, and she didn't really want to start again with her medication. Uh, but she has done an MRI scan and our report has shown that our brain uh, volume was shrinking really strongly. So it was really more than it should. Um, and the neurologist also discussed that with a patient. Uh, and the same day she, she started on her medication again, which probably really will save her years of, of disability in the future because at that moment she decided, yeah, I might feel okay now. Um, but yeah, that, and that's typical. I mean, what we see is really pre-symptom. Uh, if you lose brain volume, if lesions increase and things like that, um, you might not feel it at the moment because the brain is extremely uh, plastic. It can um, kind of compensate for it for a while. But in the end, uh, it, it will have its damage and it will result in symptoms uh, in the future. Um, so that that's, I mean, and, and we as a company, um, when we hear stories like that, um, we're extremely happy. If we can just help one patient uh, feeling better in the end, that's that's um, already yeah enough for us. And that's that's why we why we do what we do and work so hard every day. So so is it is the system a cloud based yes platform? Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I didn't mention that. So it's a cloud-based, which which makes it very scalable. There's a lot of advantages in there. And, and we decided from the start, uh, almost eight years ago, when we started to, to be cloud-based rather than have a local on-premise install of the software. Um, it makes it a, lot, a very scalable. We can do updates very quickly. Uh, we can build a, a very big database uh, of anonymized uh, brain scans uh, that we can use for further research to really um, discover these new biomarkers that can help patients. Um, so that's that's really important uh, to to our uh, model. So, can you can you sort of estimate the time or? cost savings for, for different stakeholders. I, I was speaking recently to um, another CEO, Fabian Beckers, who's using imaging and AI machine learning, but for cardiac and some oncology situations. And, you know, they're, they tremendously are able to speed up sort of that uh, measurement and that analysis. I'm assuming your system works on the same time scale. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I mean, to be honest, we are working on, on large-scale um, clinical studies to to demonstrate that that enormous value that everybody agrees is there. Um, but, I mean, what we know already is that we can decrease the time for the radiologist to, to do the reporting by, by around five times, uh, which is quite a, um, a, a lot of time saving there. Um, we also looked at um, uh, patients, again, with multiple sclerosis, and on average, for example, they are on the wrong treatment, a treatment that is actually not working uh, for more than four years. Um, and that has huge implications for um, yeah, the economical cost for future disability, um, but also the cost of the drugs themselves. They, they cost around thirty to $60,000 per year per patient. 
And with our measures, we have seen that we can decrease the time that a patient is on the wrong therapy to around one year. Uh, and that is exactly because the patient will get a yearly uh, uh, MRI scan. So we can really very early detect if something is working or not, uh, which has a lot of benefits for the patients and, and society. So, so Wim, how do you see your technology influencing the workflow of the doctor as time goes on? And where do you see the technology jumping next? Because I can see in my mind the steps uh, that the technology enables, but I'm, I'm wondering where you guys envision things moving and how it's affecting how they do their daily task. Yeah, sure. I think, I think I mean, uh, very high level speaking, it, it's really bringing numbers and, and, and digitalization to a field that has not moved in that direction like radiology for 100 years. Um, so our solutions are really um, implemented in the, the current workflow. So there's no need uh, for any of the, the people, either the MRI technicians doing the scan, the radiologist reading the scan or the physicians, neurologists looking after the patient, there's there's nothing extra they have to do. So they just have extra information in their workflow. Um, now, from a company perspective, um, yeah, we're um, expanding rapidly um, in terms of the um, the new uh, disease areas that we can help. Um, so we, we start with multiple sclerosis. Uh, then we went into Alzheimer's disease and, and traumatic brain injury, but mainly concussion, the, the, uh, the mild uh, brain trauma. Um, actually, I'm happy to tell you that that this week, uh, two days ago, actually, we received the FDA uh, clearance for our brain CT measures, uh, also in traumatic brain injury and also as screening tools. So that opens up a lot of new possibilities there to just help more patients in um, getting numbers from their brain scan that can be used to to make better diagnosis and better monitoring. But when I mean, let's let's. Let's think about this and, and play this out a little bit. You're, you're saying you're applying a quantitative measurement to this. And mm -hmm. if I now have a data set large enough that gives me the diagnosis based on those numbers, yep. ultimately the system can make the call. Yep. You know, it might need to be a... Uh, a gradient, in other words, you know, the system is is predicting or showing that uh, this is the diagnosis, and the radiologist is there to really confirm it. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, considering that the FDA this last year has a has approved at least five different pieces of software mm -hmm. that don't require uh, physician intervention, it's sort of you can see it moving in that direction once you once you quantify something it. Yep it's easier to get to an answer. And the other thing is, is once you quantify it and you have enough of a data set, you can almost think about being able to look backwards or seeing mm -hmm. things early or looking forwards based on patterns and see where things are going. Absolutely. Yeah, you, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, and from, from our perspective, we, we are really not replacing radiologists or or doctors, but we're just making their life easier. And the, and by using these numbers, indeed, we can do a lot of the, um, yeah, let's say the stupid preparational work that they now have to do anyway. 
and they can just, yeah, based on their experience, which is still extremely important, make a call if a patient has a certain diagnosis or not. Uh, but you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the world of medicine and, and especially also in neurology is definitely moving towards um, systems that based on data um, can can make a call uh, or make suggestions of patients having a certain diagnosis or um, if treatment is working or not or if they need to change and if they do need to change the uh, treatment to which treatment. Uh, and that's exactly why also from our side we... Uh, are an imaging AI company, and that's our core business. But uh, we realize that if we want to build these kind of models, um, that we have to move a bit broader. Uh, and so we're actually launching a, a patient platform called iCompanion in, in the beginning of next year that will be able to capture um, clinical information, but also patient-reported outcomes. And together with that imaging information, um, we really believe that that will revolutionize how our neurological disorders are looked at and treated. Um, and the goal really is to go to virtual medication testing indeed, where the software, based on all the data that it gathers, and the more data it has, the better it becomes, as you say, uh, really can guide um, um, doctors to, to make optimal decisions um, very early, very soon, and very quickly um, for the benefit of these patients. Yeah, I don't. I don't believe that that you know. There's a lot of people that will make that you know statement that this is going to replace a physician. I, I, I don't believe that that uh, that's going to happen because of the patient interaction piece and the experience. There's there's certain experiences that will need to be built into the software over time. But I do believe it will change what the physician does or how quickly they're able to see something or the number of patients they're able to sort of manage based on what the software brings them. I also think that from a real-world evidence perspective, the this sort of software now allows for, say, adjudication of whether a drug is working or not. Mm -hmm. And you know nobody wants to pay for a drug if it's not working. Exactly. And they're expensive too. So I think I think it it has a profound impact on the future of the whole industry, not yeah. just the medical practice itself. Yeah, I mean our experience too. A few years ago, when we started, um, there was um, um, I mean from a radiology side, a lot of uh, um, uh, yeah. I mean they were a bit anxious about indeed that software would replace them and things like that. That, but I guess that's normal when new technology comes along and. Uh, when I give lectures about our artificial intelligence and in medicine, I sometimes compare it with uh, when the, the first calculators were there. Uh, and a lot of accountants were actually afraid that they would lose their job because suddenly there was a machine to do all their calculations they were doing on paper before. Um, and as we know, I mean, they, the calculator didn't replace accountants. It just made their work a lot more efficient and they could focus on yeah, the more important things. So exactly the same will happen with, with uh, uh, getting these numbers from imaging scans um, that the doctors can are not going to be replaced, but they can just focus on yeah, looking after the patient and making the right calls for the patients. Well, and I can, I can envision a lot of business model changes as a result of this. It, it's going to be a big change for the status quo. So, so tell me, I mean, you're a startup for all intensive purposes. Um, and what what are those challenges you face as a startup? 
Well, I think one of the the challenges, of course, is that you you can grow quickly, and then it's a uh, you start with like two people, and 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 when you have a meeting, the whole company knows everything, uh, and of course, suddenly you're with five, and then and then you're with thirty, like we are at the moment, and and we uh, probably will be almost doubled by the end of next year. Uh, so that is a challenge internally to to really get it organized very efficiently. Um, and I think so far we managed to do that well, but it, it really needs uh, your attention. And at the other hand, I think uh, being a startup and, and, and a small company, of course, to um, yeah, find the right allies uh, in the world to, to really get that message across and that it's, it's time and it's needed to, to change from the qualitative to more quantitative reporting in radiology. Um, but yeah, a lot of things you don't have under control. I mean, it's 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 um, yeah, the market or the world that changes in itself, and and you have to sometimes wait. You're ready, but you have to wait uh, before the world is ready for your solution and, and to really adopt it. Um, and we have seen exactly that. I mean, as I said a few years ago, uh, um, yeah, radiologists really weren't ready to to embrace this, but it has changed very quickly now in the last few years. Um, um, so yeah, it's, it's sometimes you want to kind of, uh, run too fast as a startup, I guess, when, when you sometimes have to have a bit of patience and, uh, um, there's only so much you can do yourself. Um, uh, but I guess, I guess these were the, the main challenges and, uh, apart from that, well, I mean, sorry, you gotta have, you gotta, you, you also have to have the money and everything else so that you can last long enough to play the game. Well, that's important too, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> it's a detail. So, no, absolutely. So, so you're in Europe. Um, you know, how do you how do you hire people? How do you find the right people? Mm-hmm. Um, I've asked this question of many of my guests that are here in the U.S. Um, you know, some of them are in Silicon Valley, some of them are you know here in in the East Coast, but but you know. Where are you finding the right people? How are you motivating them and keeping them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's 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 a very important thing because I mean, in the end, uh, any company, and and that's definitely also true for us. We're only as 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 good as our people are, and in the end, uh, it's our team that is doing the work and and making this all happen. So, uh, recruiting the right people and indeed keeping them is is absolutely essential. Um, now, to be really honest, we, we haven't um, had any big problems with that. Uh, maybe we've been lucky, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, I'm coming from an academic background myself. Uh, we're a, a spin-out company from, from some universities and university hospitals. Uh, so initially, that was already a pool of, of uh, former colleagues, uh, PhDs that were working there um, that joined us. Um, but by now we have a very international team, uh, people from a lot of countries uh, working together and uh, actually a lot of people applying uh, to work with us um, that sometimes we don't have enough <laughs> room uh, to hire them. And I guess the main thing is that, that um, I mean, we were mostly technical people, engineers, IT people uh, and things like that, biomedical scientists. Um, but I think uh, coming from all from an academic studies and background, they really are very eager to help and change the world. And that's what we do every day. Uh, we really want to help patients. And, and I think that really resonates with people uh, wanting to work here. Um, we uh, put a lot of effort in having a great um, internal uh, team uh, um, 
yeah, feeling and, and a really good vibe and that uh, everybody works together very, very uh, nicely. Um, so, so far we really um, uh, didn't have a lot of problems with that. And so most people come from universities and, and really want to make a difference in, in our company. Actually, at the other hand, a lot of people that uh, come to us also come from bigger companies and they, uh, they worked in pharmaceutical big companies or imaging vendors. Um, but they really want to feel the, the startup or the, the scale-up experience in, in making a difference, moving fast. Um, so, yeah, I think that resonates to a lot of people. So we didn't really have a lot of issues there. So, Wim, let me ask another question. Um, sure. You're in a f incredibly fast-moving technological space. So, you know, I'm, I constantly am looking at... Uh, the advances on the hardware side, uh, and also, you know, obviously the commensurate sort of uh, changes that are happening on the software side. And so how are you implementing or keeping up with that same change? Because if you don't modify, you're sort of giving the guy coming behind you the chance to move past you because of compute capability or being able to look at things faster or or easier it's true um yeah you're absolutely right i think i mean from from a whole company setup and and from how we work as an organization but also from the software side how we build the software um we have built it from the start extremely flexible so we are ready to to change and to to adapt to to what the market wants I, th I think there too, it's really important to to really have um, a very strong connection with the market and and um, not sit on your high chair and think like you know what the future will look like because we have no idea how the future will look like even not in six months. So so working closely with patients and patient organizations, with neurologists, radiologists, with pharmaceutical companies, with imaging vendors, uh, really um, already gives us an idea what's playing there because indeed you're right these these markets. And especially in the last two, three years, they they have changed dramatically. Um, and then, of course, I mean, you have to kind of have your internal filter on on, on what you react on and what not, uh, because so much input comes in. And I guess that's the the judgment that we have to do every day. Um, in in well, terms and, of yeah, and you have to balance that against regulatory. I mean, absolutely. You are you are you know you have cleared products. You know. How, how do you how do you look at implementing those changes when it comes to the regulatory environment? Yeah, I mean that's that's also always a balance in terms of we we are already have developed a really neat new technologies, um, but we, we I mean we are regulatory cleared, but I mean that has two implications. First, uh, you want to keep the regulatory clearance, and then it should be all cleared, and that's really important. But second, uh, you're in the healthcare market, which moves more slow than than we can. Uh, so you don't want to update software, adding new things every month or every few months. It need it really needs to be a steady, um, um, yeah, trustful um, uh, measures that we can bring, and and not like adapting them all the time. That would really confuse our customers, the doctors, and in the end also, uh, yeah, the patients. So that's really a balance between uh, doing a lot of things on the technological side internally, but. Yeah, not not reacting too fast uh, to the market in terms of new uh, updates and things like that. Um, and yeah, I mean we do a yearly major update of the software, uh, uh, which is fine. But in between, yeah, we really try to 
um, not to react and, and indeed be in line with all our regulatory uh, needs. Wim, well, I don't want to take any more of your time. I, uh, I, I'm sure everybody appreciates your comments um, and uh, we wish you the greatest success. Well, thanks a lot, Harry. I really appreciated uh, our chat and uh, thanks a lot for all your questions. And that's it for this episode. Join me for the next episode where I speak to Dr. Joel Dudley. He is the Executive Vice President of Precision Health an Associate Professor of Genetics and Genomic Sciences and Founding Director of the Institute for Next Generation Healthcare at the Icahn School of Medicine at Mount Sinai. We'll be digging into how his group is utilizing data to see what cannot be seen through normal methods, as well as his paper on the link between Alzheimer's and herpes. If you enjoyed Moneyball Medicine, please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It is greatly appreciated. Hope you join us next time. Until then, farewell.